Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to our Off-Road Rhetoric Series, Episode 3. We're here with Precision Concepts Kawasaki's Tyler Lynn. What's going on, Tyler? How are you doing, man? Doing, doing awesome. Just stoked to be on the podcast. Yeah, man. I appreciate you doing this with us. Like I mentioned before we hit record, we're trying to talk to more off-road guys. Moto and Supercross has hit pretty hard, and I feel like you know, off-road, you have a lot of good riders and a lot of events going on and not much support out there for you guys. So I think it's cool to dive into this side of the sport and, and hear from you guys and, and everything that's going on over there. Um, for those who aren't familiar with who you are, will you just give us a little background about yourself? Like where you're from, when you started riding, have you always been in off-road? Just things that people wouldn't know about you. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I started racing when I was four years old. So Super young and always, you know, fell in love with it immediately. Just like everybody, dirt bike is, is something that's easy to fall in love with. And I started racing the, the work series actually was my first series that I've actually done when I was five years old and, you know, started racing that for a few years and did some local, local motocross just here and there, which is actually funny because I used to race with Pierce Brown and Garrett Marchbanks, both out of Utah when I was just a youngster. So. I kind of grew up with those guys in the motocross races just locally a little bit. And then, you know, when the, uh, the recession hit in 2008, we didn't have much money. So we kind of had to move over to the, the off-road scene more and the desert scene where I just started strictly racing desert racing. And then from there raced it all the way up until just a few years ago. So you said you, so you started the work series when you were five. So you made, you made your way all the way up to the, the pro class and the work series and obviously in the NGPC series and. Some of the other off-road series that you do or races that you do so you started out there as just a little kid racing off-road yeah yep i started in the work series um i didn't do probably the full series but we did the majority of the races for three or four years there um when i was just a little kid and and just learned to be an off-roader there then we kind of went away from work like i said when the recession hit in 2008 then and then to, to strictly the racing from there for about 10 years and so what do you think, or what is the biggest difference from racing works and NGPC compared to strictly desert is, I always think of works and NGPC as more of an expanded moto track, you know, moto race where, you know, you have a little moto cross section. It still has some off-road, right? Obviously it's fast and they put in some technical sections for your pro riders, but what's the biggest difference between those races and like, uh, a desert race? So the biggest difference to me is just the, the raw speed that's to be a works or NGPC racer compared to a desert racer, like a works and NGPC, like you said, it's kind of a glorified motocross race where desert, you know, you got to have a little bit more strategy, you know, you got to read course and, and, you know, you're coming up on obstacles and things that you don't know is there where works and NGPC, you know, the course and you know exactly what you're going to be racing on. And so everyone's able to go a lot faster and use more of that sprint speed, moto speed compared to, to just your, your talent of reading terrain and, and everything that way. Yeah. And I've, I've never done a, a desert race. And so I always see, you know, they do those Baja 500 or all those crazy races where at least in the, on the NGPC and works you, like you said, you know, the course you've, you've ridden practice, you. And it's, it's, it's fairly groomed, not by the time you guys race, but you, you know where you're going, where how gnarly is it when you're in the desert races where you're just kind of, and you do some pre-runs and things like that, but is it pretty sketchy when you, 
do you come to a point where you're like, man, where do I need to go? How, how can I attack this section? Is it, is, do you think it's a lot more dangerous? <laughs> yes, I can say it's, it's definitely a lot more dangerous because, you know, we're, we're racing, you know, sometimes fifth year wide open through just, uh, just a field of weeds and anything. And there can be rocks, hidden rocks, or we're just, we're trying to still go as fast as we can, like we are in the, the other types of racing. You know, it's that unknown thing where you just don't know. And it's, it's a lot gnarly if you're just, you got to be, take it back just in thoughts and you really got to learn how to read the terrain, which I feel like I learned that at a young age. And I, I feel like that's where I excel compared to most is, is reading like natural terrain. That's, that's cool. And that's definitely a, a skill many people don't have. You know, a lot of the guys that you're racing against now and works in NGPC are ex-moto guys. I mean, obviously there's some, you know, true off-road guys in there too, but you guys all come from different backgrounds now, and but now you guys are racing together. So you guys have your own skill set that you started with. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the majority of the guys that I race with now are, yeah, ex-motocross, ex supercross guys. And, you know, there's not many of us that came from just, just the true off-road side of things and, and the desert side of things. You don't, you don't usually see a desert guy show up to a, to a Grand Prix and, you know, have that, that motocross uh, sprint speed and, the majority of that stuff. Yeah. And was that something, you know, obviously you said you race works before when you were younger, was that something that was, since you're used to desert and that style of riding, when you got back into, um, the off-road or the, the Grand Prix series, did it take a little bit while to get back up to speed or is it something you picked up pretty quickly? I feel like I, I picked it up pretty quickly because I started off in just the, I came back in the 250 pro class. And so that's still a really gnarly class, but I feel like I was able to to pick it up a little easier there than I moved to the Pro 450 class just years later. And that's where I felt like my lack of knowledge and skill in that type of series and sprint speed, you know, really showed it was my first year in the 450 class that showed that I wasn't as fast, like raw speed wise compared to some of these other moto guys and, and you know, past 450 guys. Sure. And, and how long have you been in the 450 Pro class now? So I moved up in the year of 2021, so I'm on my third year now. Okay, cool. And going back, so you're from Utah. Have you always lived in Utah? Are you still based out of Utah? Yep. So I've lived in the little town of Mona, Utah my whole life. So always lived there. And so, you know, the majority of the racing around here is is a lot of desert racing. Like I said, we do got a little bit of motocross stuff, but, you know, it's it's all desert racing and so I've, I've always just grew up in the desert and doing that type of stuff. And now that you've done both, what do you prefer now that you're doing the, the Grand Prix stuff? Do you like that more now or are you still, do you still favor the, you know, the true desert style racing or what, what, what do you like the most? So I do, I do enjoy the Grand Prix racing more, you know, it's more, more competition. What's where the support is in the off-road right now. That's where teams are picking up riders and putting in the support where desert racing, it's not so much. And so I do like Grand Prix and that style of racing more. I definitely miss desert racing full-time a little bit just because that's what I grew up doing and, and stuff, but I definitely prefer the Grand Prix style more. Yeah. And for people that, you know, out there that aren't familiar with the works and NGPC series, they're pretty similar, right? You guys like you, we talked before we hit record, you guys have been hammering out races this first half of the year. Typically, each series has one race a month, but I know they've been kind of, kind of rolling over to you might have two in a month, and you guys have been really grinding it out for the first 
half of the year and now you guys are in your summer break and I, you know, they start back up in a couple months, which is, which is nice that you guys get a little break in the summertime. But, um, for you, do you see a big difference between works and NGPC or, or do you, are they kind of similar for you guys? I know competition might be a little different. Certain guys write in certain series, but between the two series, are they pretty similar? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're pretty similar for the most part. Uh, NGPC and works the biggest difference is in works we race two hours where ngpc we only race an hour and a half and so that's probably the biggest difference between the the two series we race at a lot of the same areas and, and do the same thing so and you know the racing style is the same so they're all all generally the same but the that 30 minute difference between the two series is is definitely the biggest thing for me anyways yeah i was gonna ask physically when you're out there is that 30 minutes make a big difference or since you're already you know out there adrenaline's pumping do you even notice it or is that something that you really can tell the difference that those 30 minutes oh yeah yeah that 30 minute minutes makes a, a huge difference to, to all of us racers out there and honestly i prefer the 30 minutes i'm more of a, a second half racer i really pick it up and I feel like i get my speed and get going in the second half so i prefer that extra 30 minutes to to keep pushing and keep racing where, where other riders like the motor riders, I think they prefer the hour and a half stuff where it's a little shorter. And, you know, if you're fast enough, you can get out there in the first 45 minutes and pull a lead and then, and then, you know, just kind of put it on, not cruise control, but they can manage the race from there where, where me, I really pick up my speed in that second half. So it's a lot harder to catch up. I feel like in the hour and a half. Yeah. I was curious what the strategy is. And that's what I kind of figure, right? The motor guys, they, they take off and they they sprint and like I said they'll they'll sprint you know maybe the fir first 30 45 minutes and then from there if they have a you know a gap between whatever place they're in they they can manage where guys that have late chargers that have the endurance can pick it up but if they if, but if they sprint out I mean it's hard to make up time even though you know the races are long but you guys are pretty similar in speed so what is your strategy for those races? Is it just conserve energy and so you can make it the whole time? Or do you try to do the sprinting thing? Or what do you think works best for you? Oh, yeah, I, I obviously try try sprinting off the bat. And I'm getting better at it for sure. I'm not saying that I'm you know bad at it by any means. But that's definitely where I struggle. But at the start of the race, you got to go as fast as you can, as hard as you can, you know, and really settle into a pace that really that really quick pace right off the bat. And then just, just try keeping that pace for the whole two hours. Cause you know, obviously you get tired and everyone starts slowing down towards the end, just because, you know, you're getting tired and get fatigued and stuff. And my fitness is good enough to where I feel like I can kind of push through that a little bit. So if I can just be as fast as I can the first half and then just keep up that speed in the second half, it always, always works out in my favor. Yeah. Different strategies. And and like you said, you can train and do all these races, but um, with races that long, your your muscles are fatiguing. And I mean, you guys are riding the tracks at the worst point, right? Where us thirty vets are getting the the fresh track in the morning. That's that's why I always go because the track's super sweet and not rough. Where when you guys are out there, it's a holy, it's a totally different track, but that's not very easy to ride. Yeah, yeah, we we kind of get the the blown out track for <laughs> sure, but you know that's that's what we train for and. Honestly, the, the rougher the track gets is, is when I like it the most. It's just, it's more physical and tougher. And that's when I really, really like it. Like just that grind is, is what I really enjoy of having like a super rough track. Now that's cool. Well, we'll go back a little bit. So growing up in Utah, 
did you go to school or a homeschool or, or did you go to public school? What, what was kind of your route? And, and you mentioned you rode from a young age, but did you live the normal kid life or were you more of homeschooled and, and just rode a lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely lived more of the, the normal kid life. Went to public school all the way from first grade to, to when I graduated high school and stuff. When I started taking racing seriously, I just had gotten to high school and stuff. So I was, I was pretty much the majority of my schooling was already over. And so I just finished out the public schooling thing and then had to help my dad here and there to when he needed help and, and everything. And did you ever play any other sports when you were younger or were you always just into riding? Yeah. So when I was younger, I played uh, football and I was a wrestler and I wrestled all the way up until I graduated high school. Okay. So if one of the guys wants to throw down after the race, you have them covered? <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. If anybody wants to throw down, I'm always, I'm always game. No. And I think, I, and maybe it's not, I'm sure there's some rivalries or whatever, but I feel like in those series, most of the guys are pretty cool and it seems like a more laid back atmosphere in comparison to where I'm on what, you know, most of them grew up racing on the amateur moto scene. It's pretty cutthroat. So it seems like at least from the outside looking in that pretty, pretty chill paddock and between the racers and you guys all have respect for each other. I'm maybe I'm not saying everybody, but it seems like it's a pretty cool atmosphere that you guys have. Oh yeah, for sure. We, we all get along. I feel like super well, you know, and yeah, the off-road scene is definitely a lot more, uh, chill and lenient toward each other compared to the motocross side of things. I feel like, and even us top racers, we all get along and we can be friends, you know, when we're not racing and stuff, but obviously as soon as we, we put the helmet on and the flag raises, the gate drops, you know, that definitely changes and we're, we're all going out there to, to kill each other and you know, <laughs> to, to beat each other up a little bit, but. But, you know, as soon as the race is over, before the race starts, we're all buddies and it's a super, super cool thing that we're all at that level of racing and we can all still be, still be friends and get along with each other and, you know, really, and just families can come to come together that way too. Yeah, no, that's cool. And like I said before, these events, you go there, obviously you guys are racing. That's what a lot of people go there to watch. But I mean, these events are huge, you know, there's thousands of people there camping out, families, barbecuing. So I, it's just a cool atmosphere and, and for, and for us normal guys that pay money to go race, it's, it's a lot more fun. You get a lot more track time. You get an, you know, an hour out there for your race for 45 minutes and, and you're not, so you're not just sitting around all day and you know what time you're going to race. You get out there and you, you get your race done and then, you know, you can kind of hang out. So it's, it's really fun. So for people out there that haven't tried it out, I mean, check it out. You know, they, the series puts on good races. The tracks are really good and I feel like they do a pretty good job of avoiding like the summer months when it's a scorcher on the west coast where they're like all right we're gonna take a break we'll see you guys back in august and september so it, it's pretty nice yeah for sure yeah it's kind of kind of crazy that our summer break which is just halfway through our season is, is a bigger off season bigger break than we actually get for a regular off season in in the winter we only get about a month month to a month and a half in the winter which is our true off season but <laughs> Yeah. So what are you guys doing during the break? Obviously you have races coming up and you know, you want to be in shape and rides. So are you really getting a, a break or are you still grinding like you normally would? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I took, I've took the last, you know, week and a half off since our last race, just to kind of, to get my body to reset a little bit and let the mind reset. But yeah, nope. I'm just getting, getting right back into that, that same grind that we are during, during the season and getting ready for, for our races upcoming uh, in a couple of months, but 
since we ain't racing on the weekends, you know, I get to go mountain biking a little bit more and, and do a little bit of the things that I like to do besides racing. Yeah, definitely. So when you guys come back, does it feel like you pick up where you left off or does it usually take you a race or two to kind of get back in the swing of things? So it, seem, it seems like the first race that we kind of show up to, it's, it's a little bit different. And obviously we're still going just as fast and everything, but it's, everything just seems like almost new again, like it is the start of a, a new year. But man, after that first weekend, it's kind of like we jump into that same, same boat of, of okay, we're, we're mid-season and, and, you know, we still got a championship that we're going for and it's, it's closing out on the year, really. Yeah, definitely. And during the, during the break, you're up there in Utah. What type of riding are you doing? Where are you riding at up there and where do you typically train at? So usually I, I train on just some local, local sand tracks and just out in our, our local desert where, where they race the, the national parent hounds a few times. And I go out there and train and got a few turn tracks and a few different things that I go ride. And we don't got as many motocross tracks, but we got a couple that's, that's open usually on the weekends that I'll go hit every, every so often. Yeah, that's cool. And I'm, I'm sure you saw that Dante raced the, the first race of the outdoors at Paula this year. Did pretty good. I'm sure he would have liked to have done better. I know he had some issues with some falls and things like that, but was that pretty cool for you guys to see, you know, someone from your guys' side of the world go step into a, an outdoor national? Oh yeah, for sure. You obviously had Dante, Ryan Surratt, and uh, mm-hmm. Giacomo Rodondi. They all, they all three raced it. And it was, it was cool for those guys to go and you know, be right up there near the the top 10. It was kind of, it's really cool to see those guys do it. I'd like to do it at some point too, but it's cool to see Dante and Surratt show that speed that us off-road guys have and show that us as in off-roaders can go fast and can be competitive in that series as well. Yeah, and I think that might be, sometimes always gets overshadowed where people think off-road, it's like, oh, well, guys, they avoided motocross or supercross and and then they went off-road, but you got there's you guys that you guys go really fast and and it just showed when Ryan and Dante and the other guys show up for these nationals they can they can run top fifteen top ten pace right and they and you definitely know they have the stamina for the guys that race moto before they know the sprint side of it too but I think it's cool to see and it and I wish they would highlight it a little more especially on the broadcast and stuff like that like when these guys come in and give them a little more coverage so that you know people know there's more racing out there other than pro motocross and supercross right you have a whole all these other avenues where especially on your on the grand prix side you guys have teams you guys have support there's a lot more support than people probably realize from the for the off-road side oh yeah yeah for sure we're being overshadowed a little bit and yeah it kind of gets pushed off the grid for the most part but yeah what a lot of people don't don't realize is there there is serious support over here in the off-road there's factory rides but it's kind of just the same as motocross you kind of just work your way up until you can get get that ride and yeah i feel like most people don't know that 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 you can take the off-road route and still make a living in the racing world and you know just just taking it a little bit differently than most most people do you know yeah and it was interesting when i had talked with dare demartel on one of the first interviews I did for the off-road side news he was talking about like top 20s and nationals and then if you look at the payout you're getting 800 bucks and it's like man it doesn't even cover your expenses and you're pretty much doing it on your own where you guys in the off-road can get rides that you have bikes and support and things like that and where you can probably make somewhat of a living in comparison if you were going to go try to race the pro nationals and fund it on yourself and after a weekend you might make 
1200 bucks or something like that. And it's like, did it really cover all of your expenses and your pain to go racing? Oh yeah, for sure. And yeah, just, just like Dev said, you know, you can go race a pro motocross and yeah, finish in that 20th range and now make, make 800 bucks and you're still going out there and going, going seriously fast and putting it all out there where you can come over here to the off-road side of the things. And if you're good enough and you're good enough in the off-road, yeah, you can come make a couple, couple thousand dollars plus contingency than mm -hmm. like Dare did showed up and got a ride with Beta. And now I'm sure he's, he's getting paid some serious winning bonuses and podium bonuses and possibly even a salary too, you know? So it's just, it gets overshadowed that off-road you can make a living or you can come over to the off-road and, and ride for people and teams and make a living off it and have it be your career too. Yeah. Just a different opportunity to ride a dirt bike for a living. And, and again, it's, it's not so different than moto. I mean, obviously with the, the length of the races and the, the tracks being a little bit more off-road, but it's definitely an avenue for people to go. And I always just wonder if it's not the glitz and the glamour of supercross or motocross. Like you guys are, you guys, you guys are getting dirty. It's hot. It's cold. It's muddy. It's dusty. And so it, it may not be a appealing, but still it's a way to get it done. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not the most glamorous thing for sure, <laughs> but it just, it shows like the, just the true grit of, of what we do and, and the manhood it takes to come out and race an hour and a half, two hours. And to be at that level, it just shows that, oh, you know, we're racing in rain, dust, any, any condition through rocks and everything. And it's not quite as glamorous and spectator worthy, but I wish people could see how gnarly it really is. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And how does your body feel the next day after one of those two hour, hour and a half races? Are you pretty smoked and you got to take a couple of days off or are you used to it now? Or how are you feeling on the next day on recovery? So, so the older I've gotten, obviously I've gotten stronger and more fit and I got a trainer training me. So I, I definitely don't feel the effects as much the day after, but you're still super sore. Your, your mind is kind of fried a little bit, you know, your focus quite isn't there and yeah, you're, you're tired or whatever, but usually you take yeah, a day, a day or two off and then kind of back into the, to the same program of getting ready for the next weekend or, or, or a race a few weeks later. And so you're riding for the precision concepts, Kawasaki team, Robbie Bell. He still races, right? And he, he was successful in his own there for a long time. And then you have Zach Bell on your team as well. He's an ex-moto guy. He used to have a, a factory ride and he's, he goes really fast. How has how that team and how long have you been on that team and have you been enjoying it? Yeah. So I made the switch over to the Precision Concepts Kawasaki team in 2022. So just last year was my first year with the team. And yeah, showing up on the team with Robbie Bell and all his experience and Zach with all his experience, you know, I learned a lot really quickly of different things, bike setup and, you know, just, just how to be a better racer right off the bat. And it was, it was super cool just to hear all the experience and stories that, that both of those guys had to share when I learned a lot. And prior to that team, were you doing it on your own or were you on a different team? So I was riding for the Furvines Yamaha team prior to that. I kind of jumped on aboard that team when I was still racing desert racing for the National Hare and Hound Series and got a ride for those guys for that. But then we slowly just made our way to the works and NGPC side of things. And then I felt like I just needed a change and I got a, an offer to go ride for the team and I, ju I jumped on it. Yeah, that's cool. And you guys have, you know, really good bikes. They have the Precision Concepts suspension. So I'm sure you guys have a pretty good program over there for bikes and, and just, just team support. So that, that's cool. So I wanted to get back in some of the personal questions I have. And 
I, I've been asking these on every one of these podcasts. They're would you rather questions. They're just fun and just yeah. to get to know you a little bit more on a personal level. So the first one is, would you rather win the lottery or live twice as long? That is a really, a really hard one, but I'd honestly like to live twice as long, as long as if I could be in the prime of, of my life, instead of living twice as long and continue to get older and your body kind of deteriorates away that way. If I could kind of live twice as long with being in the shape and the way I am right now, I'd probably choose that realistically, but winning the lottery is is also a big, (laughs) that'd be really cool as well. Yeah, I know. That's a hard one because twice as long, like how, how would your body be? But, and then the flip side is when the lottery and kind of live life that you, the one life that you wanted to live, right? So <laughs> interesting. Yeah, for sure. Our decision for sure. Would you rather be a kid your whole life or an adult your whole life? Man, that's, that's, that's <laughs> a really hard one too, but I'd, I'd probably have to say an adult considering I am an adult right now and I can still, I can still live like a kid. You know, I can do do and enjoy the same things I did as a kid, which considering I'm still racing my dirt bike and riding mountain bikes. And that's really all I like doing as a kid. So I'd, I'd have to say an adult for sure. Yeah. Not a lot of us have that opportunity to continue on the things that we like doing yeah. uh, as kids and but be able to make a living for ourselves doing that where most of us, yeah, we can still ride or do all these extracurricular activities, but we have to go to a real job during the day, which is not fun. So Definitely jealous of you guys that can do the things you like to do to make a living for yourself. So that's cool. Would you rather be too hot or too cold? Too hot, I think for sure. I'm obviously I live in Utah and I'm always being in the cold, but I think that I enjoy the heat better and I can probably stand being too hot over too cold. Yeah, I'm not too fond of riding when it's too cold. You can't feel your hands. It's just it's just yeah. it's just miserable. Being hot's also miserable, but I feel but I feel like the cold weather is definitely puts a hindering on a lot of things. Oh yeah. It can be too hot, but when it's too hot, it also opens up the doors for, for other things. And so I think I'd much rather be too hot. Would you rather own your own boat or your own plane? Oh, my own plane for sure. Yeah. I would say I'd swing towards that too. It's interesting because when you talk to guys, people love boats, but you think about a plane, man, you can really cut down the time that you do a lot of things. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Get, get a plane that I can load up my dirt bike in and I can fly wherever I want <laughs> go, go ride wherever I want to ride on bike or anything. So a plan for sure. Just have them put a runway out in the pits of uh, one of the off-road races. So you guys can land and unload your yeah. stuff. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. For sure. And last one, would you rather explore space or the ocean? Space, space for sure. Go see, see other planets and just see all the, the cool things that we don't get the opportunity to see where I feel like the ocean can already be somewhat explored anyway. So space for sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm a, I'm a space nerd like that. And the ocean freaks me out because I don't, we don't even know it's down there half the time. So I'm good with that. Oh yeah. yeah there's a lot of, <laughs> lot of unknown for yeah. sure. <laughs> if you could eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Probably just a, a good pasta or like fajitas, a good Mexican meal. So probably, probably one of those two, really. Are you guys on a pretty strict diet program for your type of racing or is it really, de- I mean, you guys are burning so many calories and need a lot of energy or does it really matter that much? Or are you, are you guys still doing a pretty strict diet program? I wouldn't necessarily say strict. Obviously you're staying away from all the junk food and stuff mm-hmm. that way. You, you do want to make sure you're getting your calories in and and make sure you're eating up to where your body can be fueled for that two hours. So I feel like it's probably 
maybe a little different than what a supercross or motocross diet may look like. But yeah, we're, we're, can't say strict, but definitely, definitely can't eat what you want all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys definitely need the energy for those, for those long races. So I, I would assume that it's a little different than what other moto sports are doing for sure. So if you weren't a motorcycle race doing that as your career right now, what would you want to be? Honestly, I'd like to, to go race mountain bikes. Really. I love riding my mountain bike and going fast downhill. So I'd, realistically, I'd like to, to be one of those racers. But if not, that's, that's a hard one besides, you know, <laughs> trying to be a two wheel enthusiast, really. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like the mountain bike scene's gotten really big and more and more people over the years have gotten into it. And it's definitely like an alternative sport that everybody seems to love. Oh yeah, for sure. Everyone's keeps track of F1 and all this car racing and stuff, but I'm a, I'm a big mountain bike enthusiast and, and love riding my mountain bike. So I, I definitely have to, to go that route. I would, I would think. Yeah, that's cool. And where would you like to see yourself in five years? You know, you've been doing this for a while. You've been on the 450 Pro class for, you said, two years. In five years, where would you like to be and where do you want to see yourself? I'd like to see myself being a, a multi-time champion, really have a bunch of race wins under my belt and just win a few championships and just reach the goals that I've set for myself. That's where I'd like to see myself in five years, you know, be, be one of the most winningest guys and, and be the guy that has that number one play. Yeah, that's cool. And I've looked at results for this year in the works series. You've won a few races and you've had some good finishes in the NGPC series as well. Have you felt like your year's gone pretty well? Is it, were you stoked to get some of these wins and how do you feel like your year's gone so far? Yeah, for sure. We started the round one of the NGPC series out with a, a serious mutter. And I felt, <laughs> I felt really prepared coming into the year. And we started the race and I got off to an amazing start. And then within the, I think the third or fourth corner, I, I got taken out and it messed up my throttle. And so I had a sticky throttle and, you know, was obviously covered in mud at that point. And so it kind of threw away that, that first race for me. So I came into the first round of work racing was kind of a chip on my shoulder ready to show what I, I did in the off season and I, I came out and won won my first works race which was probably one of the coolest things I've ever done realistically and I was, I was stoked on that yeah and I know different guys you have most of the same guys racing both series and then some guys are only doing NGPC is there a reason behind that or they just signed a different different contracts for different series and it, it seems like over the years, some guys are doing one or the other, and I know you're doing both, and most of the guys are doing both, but is it, do certain riders prefer certain series, or is it just, just the way it's kind of panned out over the last couple of years? Yeah, so it, it kind of just comes down to contracts, you know, like Dante Oliveira, he's contracted to do NGPC and the Western Hair Scrambles, as in Austin Walton is to do that as well, where like Mateo Oliveira younger brother of Dante and the fact that KTM side of things, he's contracted to do NGPC and works and Ryan Surratt, he's only contracted to do NGPC. So it kind of comes down to just what you're contracted to do and yeah, what kind of what you prefer to do really. But yeah, a lot of it just comes down to where, where the manufacturer wants you to go race. Yeah. And it feels like it's flip-flopped over years. The first so many years, the works is bigger than some years. It used to be big six and now it's NGPC. Not really sure why it swings back and forth like that, but I still feel like both series have, you know, good turnouts, good support for you guys. And I think it's something that people enjoy watching. I selfishly wish they would have you guys back on Saturday afternoon. So when us 
older guys are done in the morning, we can go crack a beer and stand by the fence and, and watch you guys for an hour and a half or two hours. Well, I know it's been a little bit in the, in the talks of, of us racing on Saturdays, which I think it would benefit the series and the pro guys more because you'd have more spectators to watch and stuff. But it, I think it would benefit almost everybody for, for us to be racing Saturday afternoon instead of Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and I, I think maybe they thought if they had you guys, you know, the end of Sunday that people would stick around all weekend where, I mean, by the time Sunday afternoon comes around, right, people have been there all weekend, they're tired, they're dusty, they're ready to go to her. Hopefully they, you know, everybody's been talking, hopefully they can get you guys back in on Saturday because I think that'd be a, a win-win for for everybody. Yeah, because, yeah, I think I think the original thought, thought on the process is like, yeah, yeah, race Sunday afternoon and then we can hopefully get everyone to stay all weekend, you know, but by the time Sunday afternoon comes, yeah, people have been there for a few days. They're, they're done racing and, you know, it's dusty or, you know, maybe it's wet or, you know, got to get back to, to work that next Monday. So they kind of want to get out of there and, you know, make it home and have a little bit of relaxing time before they have to go to work. So a lot of people obviously leaving before the pro race even starts. And so spectator sometimes is, is super low, which is kind of a bummer for us because, you know, it's kind of the point in, Mm -hmm. us us being racers is to show off our manufacturer and to try to get people to to buy those and see our sponsors and to see the people that we're repping when it it kind of takes away from us a little bit because you know people don't get to see that and they want to go home instead of watching us yeah i would agree with that i know they made that switch shoot it might be longer than i thought it was but it felt feels like a couple years ago but man it could it could be it could have been five years ago i'm not really sure it's been a while but have you heard anything have they been talking, have the teams been talking to the promoters or the guys that run the series about that? And have, do you think there's been any headwind on that? So, yeah, I know, I know at the end of last year, there was a little bit of talk about, about moving us to Saturday. Obviously it was too late in the year to make it happen for the year of 2023, but you hear talk here and here and there about maybe doing that, but I don't know how much is really going to happen or how much is really going to come true of it, which I hope we do get a race on Saturdays, but. I guess we'll just have to see what, what the promoters do. And, and I know the team, they're always, always in on meetings and stuff with these promoters and the people that run these series to, to try making things better for us pros. So, yeah, no, I agree. Hopefully that happens. It, it'll be better for you guys and also for the fans. Cause that, that's something we looked forward to when I would go and camp out is new and that knowing that you guys are racing at one or three o'clock on Saturday, whatever it was, then you still have Sunday that you can pack up and go home and you're not worried about missing the pro races i wanted to talk to you guys talk to you about those pro races are you guys required to pit for both races or is it just the two-hour race and and how does that go is it pretty are you guys you've done it for so long that you're used to pitting or is it something that can really make a difference in the race between losing time oh yeah so so the races are long enough to where we have to pit like our we have oversized tanks, obviously, but none of our bikes will make the full hour and a half or two hours of racing. So every person in the pro race has, has to pit at some point. And so it's kind of a little bit strategy of when to pit and how early to pit or how late to pit, depending on where you're at. And, and sometimes people offset pits of like, okay, they see maybe the person in front of you pit. And so you do the next lap. And so it's a little bit of strategy, but we all, we all do have to pit. And so it's kind of just a level playing ground that way of we're all, all taking our time to come in and get gas and, and stuff that way. Yeah. And you guys aren't really there for, for long, right? You have those quick fill gas tanks and you might grab a, uh, 
a new pair of goggles and maybe a splash of water. But I mean, you guys aren't, you guys aren't really there for very long, are you? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, you know, the majority of the time we're just there to get gas and yeah, maybe a change of goggles or maybe some water, but yeah, most of the time our pits are usually around 15 seconds and under, I would say we got the quick sales that fill our bikes super fast. So yeah, we're, we're just in and out of there really quick. So it's not much of a break or much of anything really. It's just, just to get gas and keep charging. Does it feel like a little bit of break on your body or is it one of those things almost where you feel like if you were to tip over in a corner, right? Cause you're, your heart rate's up, you're hot. And then now you're coming to a stop and sitting there. Do you, does it almost make you more tired or is it, is it a nice 10 second, 15 second break? <laughs> oh yeah. It, it's a really nice 10, 10 to 15 second break because me, me personally, I like to come in and have like a water dumped on me just to cool me down for just that split second. And yeah, it's, it's a good, you know, it's 10 seconds obviously isn't a lot, but it, it seems like you can kind of get your breathing under control for just a second, just that, that 10 seconds, you can really get a few good, you know, deep breaths in and kind of just obviously not relax that much, but it definitely, it definitely helps. I think having that 15 seconds of just stopping and, you know, just taking that, that little bit of time to, to relax, to get a breather. Yeah, no, for sure. That, that's cool. And it's, it is fun to watch you guys come to pit road and you guys come in there and it's just like, it's like almost like NASCAR. It's like in and out and there they go again. So, and I can imagine the strategy, right? If the guy in front of you goes in and you're like, dude, maybe I just lay down a here lap to where you almost mentally break someone. Cause I'm sure now that you're used to it, it doesn't seem like a lot, but I could imagine rolling into to pit and then the guy behind you goes blowing by and you're like, oh God, but you know, he has to pit, but it maybe mentally is a little hard to uh, accept sometimes. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you know, when, when you pit and when you decide to pit, when other people decide to pit, it definitely can play a big factor. And then, yeah, sometimes you're, you're battling with a guy and yeah, you just, you just made the pass like that lap and then you pit and all of a sudden he, he blows your doors off in the pit and you're like, man, now I got to go and race behind them. And so you want to try getting a fast lap in because you know, he still has to pit, but like, what if his pits a little faster and he gets back out in front of you again, they got to <laughs> do all that, all that same work you just did the first half of the race, the second half of the race to try passing that guy for the second time. So <laughs> for sure. Yeah, that's, it is interesting that there is, you think, oh, it's just a pit, but there's definitely a strategy. Um, have you ever had, so you've been doing this for a long time. You said you raced the pro 250 and now you're in the pro 450. Have you ever had a time where you, you know, just wanted to quit and become a, a normal person and get a normal job or has, have you ever gotten that point? And if so, like what kept you going? I can't necessarily say I really wanted to quit, but in 2021, my first year, in the pro 450 class, you know, it was, it was a lot, it was a lot bigger of a jump to the bigger bike than I expected it to be. Cause I had just got off winning a, a 250 pro championship. And so I come into the 450 class expecting, I still wanted to win and stuff. And I come in and I'm barely making top five, not even top five sometimes. And it was, it was really hard on me. I was struggling with the bike a little bit and man, I was, I was just going through it a little bit. And that's when I was on that Pervine's Yamaha. And I got the offer from Kawasaki to come ride for those guys. And that's when I was like, I need, I need to change something in my program. Cause if I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm not going to be able to do this. You know, I'm not making enough money or, and you know, I'm going to have to go get a normal job and start a normal life a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And, and there's some fast guys in the 250 class coming up right too every year. I know Mateo just moved up and you and Talon a couple of years ago, and it, you know, there's always someone coming up and. You, you know, you're winning that class, so you think you're prepared, but then you get in the class of the 450 guys and, and then you realize, man, they got maybe on a different 
different pace and a different level and probably just takes you a while to get your the legs under you to to, to kind of match that pace and know what to expect because yeah 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 for sure you know you're on the 250 and sometimes you're you're finishing top five overall from the 250 wave and so you're like oh man once i get to a a bigger faster bike that i'm gonna go oh i'm already in that top five speed mm -hmm. range you know my 250 and so I'm, i should be able to go way faster than that now but then you you make the swap to the bigger bike but going to the bigger bike comes with its negatives too the bike's faster but it's also heavier and doesn't work as good and it, it manhandles you instead of you manhandling the bike you know so it starts some struggles that you didn't foresee coming like me i'd always practice on a 450 but racing a 450 is a totally different thing and it was it was a big jump it was a big struggle for me and yeah there was there for a minute i was like man i gotta i gotta make a change and make something happen because if i keep riding the way that i am and i'm not figuring this out you know people's not gonna want me to ride for their team and I'm going to have to go get a normal job and I'm not making enough money. And it's kind of like a make or break type thing. You, you got to, you got to make it happen or you're going to have to, to stop doing it really. Yeah. Like you said, the two, right, the 250 catching up the wave in front of you and finishing top five overall. And I'm assuming your 450 is set up a lot different than a 250, right? The weight, the inertia of the power and, and just, just everything. It is faster, obviously. So you think it'd make it easier to go faster, but it's. It also comes with a lot of negatives on those bigger bikes too, right? It's just harder, right? Everything about it, it could be harder when the tracks get rougher. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's not as easy as what Jet Lawrence makes it <laughs> makes it out to be, but yeah, it's it's definitely definitely a big change and a you know a big jump that most people don't don't understand until it actually happens. Because I know Talon and even Mateo they could vouch for that that the 450 being on the 450 and the 450 classes is a lot harder than than what they expected it to be. Yeah, yeah. I wish we could all make it look like Jet Lawrence out there. He looks like he's trailing. Yeah. We're not really sure how he's doing all that, but uh, definitely is impressive and will be interesting to see how the rest of the year goes for for them. You mentioned maybe want to jump in and do an outdoor national like that. Have, is that something you have ever, you put a lot of thought into? You think maybe just one day be cool to hop in one or two just to do it for fun? Or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, because like obviously I'd like I'd like to go and try being as competitive as possible and and to do one just to just to do one to say oh yeah I did a pro motocross or two and in my lifetime and go try doing the best that I can and kind of just a, a bucket list item obviously but still go and and try doing my best and having fun with it. Yeah, no, that's cool and it's cool you guys have that opportunity to be able to do things like that and obviously still go back and do your your own races but just to jump in and do something different and see see how it goes. And, and again, maybe if you have more guys go in and they, maybe they can do a segment on it. And cause I think a lot of it too, with the off-road is people that race off-road know about it or into it and things like that. But for those that aren't, they almost don't even know it's out there or they don't think it's as big as it is. And what would you say to people that don't know much about off-road? Like what, what entices you to, or what's, what, what brings you to do it? And what do you think advantages that off these off-road series have compared to the moto or any other styles of racing out there i just like to just tell everyone just to come give it a try you know you had champ Pinus raced a, a few off-roads and did really well and he's doing really well now and in the pro stuff and even even eli tomac the mm -hmm. you know one of the best ever he right before he turned pro he was racing this off-road stuff to to get himself in better shape and to build up his endurance and just become tougher and to become a better, a better rider. And, you know, that shows some from a guy like Eli Tomac that's 
showing up to a works race or an off-road race to come do it to to be better you know so i you know just just tell everyone to come give it a try and it can only make you better it's not going to make you any worse maybe change things up and it'll it'll work out better for you than you even could have imagined you know yeah, and I think that people may be intimidated by it. They're not really sure what it's like. So I remember the first, I was always racing moto. And then the first couple I did, like, I was like, man, I'm not an off-road guy. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing. But, you know, for us non-pros, like, we're not going through the pro sections. They might throw a rock section here and there and there. But it's it's really not as intimidating as you may think if you've never done it. And so after I did my first couple, I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know why I didn't do these before. And, and, uh, and I feel like they run a pretty tight program where they're fairly on time, right? There, there's a schedule, you know, what time you're racing, everything's timed. And so you're, you're, you're not sitting there if you're moto 23 and you got to do moto one twenty three, then you're waiting 20 something motos again to your second moto, right? You're going out there, you know, what time you race and you get it done and, and it's over with. So I think it's a cool laid out program. They have tracks are usually pretty good for the times that we're racing. And, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it could be, you could think it's dangerous because you're going fast, but you know, you go as fast as you want and, and it's still pretty safe. And and there is a lot, lots of different skill levels out there and, and from mini bikes to big bikes. And I know works have the side by sides and things like that, which is pretty insane, but it's just a cool atmosphere. And so if people haven't tried it, I definitely recommend to go out there and give it a shot. And you're not going to, as much as you see pictures of bikes ruined, your bikes, it might get dirty, but unless you go cartwheel and you're not going to ruin your bike. So if, if you're worried about that, that I wouldn't be too worried about it. So, um, so cool, man. So 2023, you have, you're on summer break. You're taking, you'll be back in the swing of things in a couple of months. Um, what does 24 look like for you? You signed with the team you're on now for 24 or you haven't gotten that far into it. What does that look like for you? Or are you just not sure yet? So right now, I can't necessarily say contract season, but it's kind of when the manufacturers are kind of starting to, to re-up things for 2024. So this year is a contract year for me. You know, I signed the one year, then another one year with the Chaparral Precision Concepts Kawasaki team. And so right now my contract will technically be up at the end of the year, but I'm looking forward to to hopefully re-signing with those guys and just just keeping the program generally the same and then just see what we can do into 2024. Yeah, for sure. And, and people don't realize, right? You have your team, Chaparral Precision Concepts Kawasaki. You have... SLR Honda, supported by Honda. You have Beta. You have the Pervine's Yamaha team, Factory KTM. You have the Rockstar Husky team. So there's a lot of teams out there. I'll be also interested to see with Beta stepping up their program if they if they add another rider or when Triumph and Ducati and all these other new manufacturers coming in, if they have any off-road support. The future might be bright with some of this off-road stuff and the level of support that you guys have. Yeah, for sure. You know, just, just in the past few years, there's been more teams kind of enter the off-road side of things and start putting in more support, <clears throat> just like Kawasaki and, and like the Yamaha side of things, you know, they're putting in more support too now. And obviously, yeah, factory KTM, the Rockstar Husqvarna team, and you got the factory beta team. And yeah, you got these, these teams that's putting in support to, to guys that, you know, are, are doing it for a living and, you know, are expected to, to do good, but you know, it's good for our sport and good for the off-road that, you know, it is growing in that way a little bit for the manufacturers to see it's valuable enough to put money into it to have a rider race for them you know so it's it's cool that way yeah because those guys out there are buying bikes too right and oh yeah uh, lots of guys out there you know run these series every year and like i said there's thousands of people there and and to have those manufacturers support there everybody's riding one of those bikes and so it, there's a lot more eyes on things out there than people realize and so i think that's cool and 
For you guys on Kawasaki's, are you guys just running your normal KX450s? And what are your thoughts on the 24s that are coming out? Are you guys, probably haven't talked about a whole lot, but do you guys think you'll run this normal 450 or are you going to maybe try out that 450X that they have? So, so actually we're, we're running the 450X oh, okay. right now, but, but the only, they're, they're virtually the same bike besides the bike comes with a kickstand and a 18 rear inch wheel. That's the only difference mm. between the X and the 450. So the motor uh, mapping and everything I think is the exact same. So, but going into 2024 with the new Cowie, I'm excited to, to jump on that bike and, and try it out. I, you know, you see Roman Fevre and the MXGP stuff doing really well on the bike. And I think it's, the bike's going to make a jump forward and being better and handling better. So I'm excited. Yeah, no, that's cool. And it, it'll be interesting, interesting to see all the changes they've made a lot of changes and, and then how that, you know, translate to on, on the track. Well, cool, man. Hey, I appreciate you taking the time to do this with us today. Is there anyone out there that you like to thank? I'm sure you have a lot of other sponsors out there that help make what you do possible. Oh yeah. yeah. First off, yeah, I just have to thank my parents for spending all their money and time to bring <laughs> me up in my support. And then yeah, the whole, whole precision concepts, uh, Chaparral Race Kawasaki team, Bob and Robbie Bell for for bringing me aboard their team and, you know, putting in their time and effort to, to have me race for them. And just everybody that supports our team, we couldn't do without them. And there's a lot of names that go, you know, unnoticed and untold. And there's too many to name off, but to every person that, you know, supports the off-road guy, the off-road guys and everybody that even comes race the off-road, it's all props to those guys that, you know, why I get to do what I'm doing. And just, just thanks to everyone that's made it all possible. Really, it's it's been a journey, and I I hope to continue this this on with with the support that I have. Yeah, definitely. And you've had a good year. I know you're sitting second in points on the work series. So enjoy your break, but come out swinging when you guys get back to after your your summer break and see if you can wrap up that number one plate for the works and get some good results in NGPC series. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna keep continue to to work hard and yeah, go for that, that works number one and, you know, just go for race wins and have fun. You always got to make it fun or it's, it's not worth it. Yeah. I agree with that. Get well said. Well, man, appreciate it. And yeah, have a good weekend. Yeah. Thank you.